everybody. How you doing? And welcome to another episode of the John Riley Project. It is Wednesday, January 25th, and really great to be back with you here. We got a whole bunch of things we're going to be covering. And you know, in my podcast, I've been really trying to focus a lot more on some of the, you know, main headlines that are going on in San Diego. Trying to focus our attention on a lot of local news, things that are going on in and around our San Diego County and the cities and communities and where we live, uh, because there is just a lot happening going on in University City, which we're going to talk about today. We're going to talk about Escondido today, and we're going to really focus in on the city of San Diego and their declaration of housing as a human right. And I really want to kind of break that down for you. So thanks again. Thanks for joining us. You know, this is a live stream. So we welcome your thoughts and comments. You can um, just type them in on the live stream on either Facebook or on YouTube. I'll see them up here on my screen. I'll get you involved in the discussion and we'll have a little fun going on. So that's our game plan for today. And, you know, here I am. It's like roughly Wednesday around noon. I'm trying to trying to maybe settle in around this time as a weekly time for this and then perhaps have some bonus episodes um, in future weeks. But mostly I want to aim for this Wednesday lunch hour as kind of the opportunity to share the message. So um, that's what we're going to be getting into today. And oh, Ed Franklin is on the live stream. How you doing, Ed? He's uh, jumping in on board. So always good to see our friends out there. I was a a guest on Ed's podcast uh, a few weeks ago. I know he just released the episode a few days ago. So be sure to check out Ed Franklin and his No Limits podcast. It's a really great show. And Ed interviews a lot of really interesting people in the business community. And it's a very inspirational message. So uh, yeah, go out and check out Ed Franklin and his No Limits podcast. And and yeah, one of his recent episodes, I was a guest, which I'm going to be posting shortly on my John Riley Project podcast, audio only platforms. And, on, and I think I'm going to put the video up on my YouTube channel as well. But anyways, um, let's let's dive in. OK, we're going to talk about this this idea. And this just passed at San Diego City Council and they're declaring housing as a human right. I mean, so this is a very, very bold message that they've just like dropped on 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 our community. And frankly, it's a bold a bold thing that a lot of politicians talk about, but they never really go the step to actually make this a piece of legislation. And they voted unanimously in the San Diego City Council to make housing a human right. Now, I think. The whole San Diego City Council now is Democrat. There might be one Republican, but I think they're all Democrats. So this kind of aligns with that that thinking. Um, and what their their goal here was to they said the a fundamental human right housing is a fundamental human right and reaffirms its commitment to providing more housing and services geared towards putting a roof over the head of every San Diegan. Again. This is this is ballsy what they're doing right here, declaring housing as a right. Do you think housing is a right? See, this is I want to kind of get into this because I think we all agree that housing is critical. Housing is important for humans to live, to flourish. Housing is crucial for human life. But is it a right? I mean, after all, what is a right? I mean, let's break that down. I mean, normally a right is 
a um, is sort of a concept that allows an individual to be able to exercise their own freedom to take action in a social context. So that's like freedom of speech, for example. You know, we're all free to speak. We're all free to share our message. Um, and we shouldn't have any limitations on that. Um, now, these kinds of rights, like freedom of speech, don't infringe on the rights of other people. But when you declare housing a human right, I mean, what are you saying? Are you saying that people are guaranteed to have housing? Are you saying that housing needs to be something that is provided by others? Because if it's a right, you should be able to demand your right, right? (laughs) So if you should be able to demand a right to housing, then that means that other people have to provide it for you or fund it or both. And I think that ends up violating the rights of other people. So to me, this this seems to me to be a big virtue signal kind of a message that they've established here in San Diego. And they've even kind of backed off on it a little bit. They've said, you know, it's more of a guiding principle, but it's not really a legal liability. I'm sorry. When it comes to rights, we're usually talking about legal liabilities. So um, and if if housing is a right, then you would expect people are going to want to claim those rights, that they're going to feel that they have a legal justification, a legal entitlement to this service. Now, what they're doing here, I think it's it's this is mostly a puff thing. I mean, like I say, I think it's a virtue signal is what they're trying to accomplish. And they've even said it's only aspirational. Well, if it's aspirational, you don't need to declare it to be a right. I mean, call it something else. Call it a goal. Call it a um, an objective. But don't call it a right because when you start calling everything a right, it dilutes what actually is a right. Like we have a right to our own life. We have a right to our own liberty and pursuit of happiness. And all of those are rights that we have that we can essentially live our own life on our own terms and without infringing on the rights of other people. But a lot of these do-gooders want to declare housing a right, water a right, healthcare a right, education a right, all of these other rights that in order to provide that service, you have to violate the rights of other people to provide it. And I think that's ultimately wrong. So, Um, According to the San Diego City Council President, Sean Elo Rivera, he said, I'm opting for a future where everyone deserves a home. This resolution is an important first step. The status quo in San Diego isn't working in California or in America for that matter. Everyone deserves a home. This is kind of the altruistic message that we hear frequently. Well, Does everyone deserve a home? I mean, deserve is a tricky word, too. Um, I think people, if they need to earn an income to fund their own home. But if you're saying everyone deserves a home, then that means other people have to provide everyone with a home with no obligation to that person that supposedly deserves it. Um, This is tricky because you're assigning duty to other people to provide services to a different group of people. Now, of course, housing is a disaster in San Diego. Housing is a disaster in California and many parts of America. 
at least I think we have an agreement on the problem. The problem is that you know prices are too high. It's like the guy that ran for governor in New York a number of years ago. He said the rent is too damn high. And that was his whole campaign platform. The guy was kind of funny, but he had a good point. The rent was too darn high. Um, and so, you know, if you go look at the numbers here, rent for a median one-bedroom apartment in San Diego is $2,500 a month. And that there are only a vacancy rate of 3.7%. So over 96% of the housing units are full. Less than 4% are available. That's your problem. There is so few, so little vacancy that landlords can charge a high price because they have a lot less competition. So when you're, you know, if you're out there looking at an apartment and it's 2,500 bucks a month and you think that's too expensive, you can't afford it. Well, then what would you do? You would say, well, let's just go down the street. There's an apartment complex down the road that maybe they have one that's available for 2000 a month or 1800 a month, but those don't exist because they're all taken. They're all full. See, what we need is more housing inventory. And when you build more housing, then the vacancy rate will go up from 3.7% to 4%, 5%, 6%. And now suddenly when a renter is looking to rent an apartment, they've got a lot of choices. They've got the one for 2,500, but there's a bunch of others that are trying to get that renter to, to, to lock in on a lease in their building. And they're going to offer attractive rates to bring those people in. And you're going to start to see prices begin to dampen. In many cases, prices begin to go down if we simply increase inventory. It's a supply and demand kind of thing. It's Econ 101. Now, some people are wise to this, and they've been bringing up you know, this issue of how What's the real intent of this? According to Carol Wasterman, Watterson, um, and she's a resident, apparently was at the city council meeting. There were only a few people that objected to this, but a whole bunch of, you know, tenants rights people showed up at the meeting to cheer it on. But she was one of the few that objected. And she said, you recognize that you are counting on private property owners to provide housing. I disagree in a free market that the city is responsible for housing. She's right. The city should not be responsible for putting roofs over people's heads. The city should instead let property owners build on their land to provide housing. And then renters and home buyers can choose to engage with those property owners and those landlords. But because of government policies that we've had for decades, there has been very little construction throughout. Now, granted, things have changed pretty radically in the last maybe five to six years. But prior to that, we've gone for decades with a very slow growth, even an anti-growth mentality in a lot of communities throughout the county. The, you know, the so-called NIMBYs, not in my backyard, they've been successful in blocking development in encouraging certain zones to be off limits for housing for either environmental purposes or for other reasons. And as a result, as our economy in San Diego grows, as 
more people flock to live here because it is such a desirable place to live. And there are very high paying jobs here. Now we've got all this demand for housing, but not enough supply. And so, of course, housing prices are going up. Now, this other lady, her name is Barbara Pinto. She was interviewed and and she was at this council meeting and she said she spends 80% of her fixed income on housing. 80%. Now, I get it. I believe that. I, I think that's likely very true for a lot of people. That's just not workable. That, that's an example of how we have a housing crisis. You can't live when 80% of your money goes to housing. That leaves 20% left over for, you know, food and utilities and just some basic living expenses. That, that math don't add up. Now, I would, I, would, I would say that if you're in that situation and 80% of your housing is taken up, I'm sorry, 80% of your income is taken up by, for housing, well, why are you living there? Why are you not moving to where housing is more affordable? If you're on a fixed income, then I'm assuming that you're on Social Security. Perhaps you have a pension of some kind. That money should be portable. You could be anywhere. I mean, this is America's finest city. It's going to be a lot of demand. Housing, even if they built a whole bunch of housing, housing will generally be more expensive in San Diego than it is in Moab, Utah, or Las Vegas, Nevada, or or in many other parts of America. I mean, San Diego is a wonderful place to live. But it's amazing to me that, you know, I mean, there are people that are suffering, but they have options. Now, they have options here locally. That's the problem. There's not enough construction going on locally to give these competitive rent seekers. I should be careful with the word rent seeker. That has a political context. But people that are seeking rental properties, if there are more options available to them, There's going to be a more competitive marketplace and there's going to be more um, hustling on behalf of landlords and and property sellers to attract new tenants and new buyers. And that's what we need to see. So declaring it a right, declaring housing a right is wrong. (laughs) Um, Declaring housing a right means that other people are required to provide it. When we say, when people talk about healthcare as a right, that's what they mean. That they would be able to walk into a hospital and have healthcare offered to them for really no expense, no out-of-pocket expense, because it's a right. When people talk about education as a right, they mean the same thing. That you can enroll your child in a, in a school and they will be educated for no out-of-pocket cost. In this case, declaring housing a right, in my opinion, means the same thing. But they're saying, well, no, it really doesn't mean the same thing. We're calling it a right, but it's not really a right. I mean, then what the hell are they doing? So I think they've got to, they've got to figure out a different approach to this. I get why you want to say we need to provide a, a roof over everyone's head. And there are people, there's homeless. We have a homelessness crisis. We've got people that are getting pushed out of their apartments and living out of their cars. We've got tent cities. We've got housing that takes up, in some cases, 80% of people's income. We have a housing crisis. 
But by declaring it a right, you don't solve the housing crisis. Frankly, you create a lot of perverse incentives that make the housing crisis worse. So once again, it's interesting to see, like I, I, gain, I have it, the, we identify the problem the same way, but the solution to the problem is just so radically different. It's unbelievable. So what are your thoughts and comments? You can join me on the live stream. Just type them in on YouTube or on Facebook and uh, um, we welcome your thoughts and comments. And you know, by the way, if you're listening to this on the recorded version of the audio podcast, hey, thanks for jumping on board. Really appreciate you. One thing you could do is just subscribe. Subscribe to John Riley Project on Apple Podcasts, Google Podcasts. If you're on Apple Podcasts, it'd be really helpful if you left a review and rating. Five stars if you think we deserve it. That would be great. We're trying to build an audience, get the message out. So your thoughts and comments and reviews are always welcome. And we thank you for, for those of you that are participating, listening, and watching. Okay, I've got a few other topics I want to get into. And it seems like, you know, I, I try to cover a lot of these San Diego County issues because I think they just need more coverage. You know, we do a, lot, a really good job in the political season of interviewing candidates for political office. But in the non-political season, I really want to kind of explore more of these local issues. Because I think they're important. And your support, your help can help verify that that is important. And you can do that by liking the episode, giving us a thumbs up or subscribing. Okay, let's talk about University City. Now, this is another interesting topic here. We did a podcast, gosh, maybe two months ago or so, where we talked about how Mira Mesa is going to radically increase in size, like roughly double in size. And people in Mira Mesa were really freaked out about this future vision, a 30-year plan in Mira Mesa to, to roughly double housing. And we're talking multi-housing units, apartment complexes. They were even talking about a gondola in, in Mira Mesa. Well, now University City has a similar plan. And this is just being rolled out. It hasn't been formally approved, but they're now talking about putting twice the number of people into University City. And you're thinking, okay, where, what's University City? And this is an interesting thing, because I always thought of University City as a triangle, right? You know, it's kind of bordered on the 5 freeway and the 805 freeway and the 52 freeway. And I think it's roughly speaking, it's the zip code 92122. But remember, then they, they, ha they announced what they called a golden triangle. And I think that's the upper part of the triangle. I think that's 5805 and La Jolla Village Drive, you know, right by UTC. And all of that business, all of those business buildings, high rise, to me, that's, that's UTC, or sometimes people called it the golden triangle. Well, apparently in this plan to double, more than double housing in University City, University City to, to city planners actually goes quite a bit further. I was surprised to hear this because they said that it's bounded on the north by Sorrento Valley and the Los Penasquitos Lagoon. That makes sense. That's kind of the tip of the triangle. Marine Corps Air Station Miramar uh, and 805 on the east and 52 on the south, but on the western border... It's more complex. It includes Highway 5, but in some cases, it includes North Torrey Pines Road, 
and La Jolla Farms, um, you know, right up into the Pacific Ocean in parts. And I don't usually think of that part of of that area around UCSD as part of University City. Now, they're, they're saying UCSD itself isn't part of University City. But according to this, the city planners, if you're talking about that area where Genesee and um, Torrey Pines kind of intersect, you know, there's a lot of biotech firms. You could probably even include Salk Institute, um, the Glider Port, La Jolla Farms, which are those really wealthy you know, high-end homes that are in between UCSD and the ocean. I've always thought of that as La Jolla, but apparently this part of the university city footprint. So what they're talking about doing here is more than doubling it. Um, and it's the first time they've updated this plan in university city since 1987. So they're, they're going to put in high rise um, housing as tall as 10 stories or more. They would be encouraged in five focus areas in University City. And then on top of that, several of the existing one-story shopping plazas, you know, or strip malls, um, would be transformed or rezoned to be mixed use. So it might be starting to look a little bit like the shopping center um, off of Via La Jolla, you know, where there is housing and and commercial kind of all blended together. They're going to be building more of that in University City as well. And they're talking about, you know, updating the roads, upgrading bike paths. They've got a whole bunch of ideas to completely reimagine the entire community of University City. And they put this blueprint, you know, together and it's scheduled to be approved by the city council sometime in 2023. They haven't really announced that yet. But this is like a pretty bold view of the future. Um, and what's interesting too, I, this is a kind of bit of a tangent, but you know, we're talking about Mira Mesa radically expanding, University City radically expanding. These two communities are both in San Diego City Council District 6, which San Diego officials call an Asian empowerment district because 40% of the residents are of Asian descent. Wow, I didn't realize it was that high. Yeah, I knew that it was going to be higher than other parts of San Diego County, but 40% Asian in Mira Mesa and University City. Yeah, it kind of makes sense. I mean, just kind of anecdotally of people I know that live in those communities. Um, but wow, uh, that's, that's something. And this whole area is about to go through both communities, a radical transformation. Um, so there's, of course, been huge opposition to this from the locals. And isn't this kind of a common story? You know, we, I, I live in the city of Poway. We've been going through our own growth issues here um, with more housing and more development. And there's construction going on all around us in Poway. And the local residents objecting, expressing their concerns, in some cases being really vocal, really angry about a lot what's going on. The same thing is happening in University City. So there was an op-ed that was in the um, in the Union Tribune by Bonnie Kutch, and she's a retired public relations professional who's lived in the southern part of University City. And she said that University City is one of those San Diego neighborhoods where everyone living here feels like they belong, regardless of age, ethnicity, religion, or class. So she she's really you know 
enjoys University City the way it is, <laughs> you know, because that's what she bought. That's what she bought into. And she's really worried about this change. She said, um, you know, the proposed University City community plan update could turn community into a congested, unrecognizable metropolis by more than tripling the housing density from 27,000 existing units to 83,000. Wow, 83,000. Um, and she's objecting, saying the city has not provided a really a, a good solution for traffic gridlock, for people getting in and out of their homes. She thinks riding your bike to the store or taking the bus to the store is kind of utopian, especially if you have to schlep around, you know, 40 pound bags of fertilizer when you're fixing your, your yard and your garden and your, and your home. So she's objecting to a lot of this and she's not alone. I mean, there's a lot of university city uh, residents that have expressed that. Now, if, if you've driven around university city, I, I, granted, I used to live in university city when I was a student at UC San Diego um, we had a condo in the Genesee Highlands area. Um, and then I had friends of mine that lived off of Governor Drive and they had rented. There was like four guys rented a three bedroom house out there. It's a very suburban, single family residential area in, in a lot of parts of University City with housing that was built probably in the 1970s or 1980s with people that have nice front yards and big open streets and street parking and just a really kind of cool suburban vibe. You know, the world's changing and, and all of these communities are trying to come to grips with how they're going to handle all of these changes. Now, um, one of the, of her objections, she said that mo- you know, the UC San Diego students She thinks they're building more in University City because UC San Diego is failing to build enough uh, residential property for the dorms on campus. And she's right on that point. UCSD has been radically expanding the campus and the enrollment, but they haven't kept up with the housing element of it. And that's why it's there's a lot of freshmen that should be living in the dorms that got bumped. And they're like out in the open market looking for housing and some of them having to commute 20, 30 miles a day to go to UCSD. So UCSD is going through this radical transformation. Now, they've got a lot of plans on the books and a lot of construction underway to build more housing on campus. Will that satisfy the majority of the needs of students? Hopefully. Now, granted, not all students will live on campus. I lived on campus for my first two years, and I lived off campus for my my final three years. I was on the five-year plan at UCSD. Um, And I think that generally is going to be true. But... As housing is much more expensive off campus, you know, maybe they have a vision at UCSD to have housing for your entire time at UC, as a student on campus. You know, that's an interesting angle there. But you see San Diego students still live in the University City area. A lot of them do. Um, they are either renting places. In some cases, there are wealthy families that buy condos for their kid as an investment. They have a place to live. And then in five years or four years after they graduate, they can either sell the property, you know, and make some money or or just transition it into an income uh, property. But in this article, she went on to say that most UC San Diego students I'm familiar with in the South University City area use cars since taking a bus or trolley to and from campus is a 45 minute adventure each direction. 
And I believe that's true. Now, granted, you know, they're, they're building more of these trolleys and they're trying to get more people on the trolleys to make transportation more efficient. But my understanding is, is that line is coming up like through the five freeway. And then it kind of goes through UCSD and wraps around to UTC. But is it going to start coming further south down Genesee? I don't know. I don't know what that plan is, but that's a fair objection. I mean, there's going to be a lot of students that are trying to get on campus and expecting them to take a bus may not be realistic because public transportation is is kind of a mess. But I know they're trying to fix that, too. And they, there's a lot of work that needs to be done there. And frankly, I question a lot of the public transportation initiatives that are being planned in the county because I think this is my vision is that I think autonomous cars are going to radically transform the way people commute the way people use transportation to get around. I think when we have automated cars, we're going to have these pods that are going to be traveling around the city that you can hop in and hop off. You can hail like you're hailing an Uber. And these automated driverless cars are going to pick you up, drop you off. And when you go longer distances, they're going to computer controlled work in a swarm so they could travel efficiently as a group and then individual pods will peel off as necessary. To me, that's the vision because public transportation on rail, you're stuck on a track and that track don't move. That track doesn't get you necessarily where you want to go. Busing gives you more flexibility, but still doesn't get you point A to point B. So, but right now people are dependent on their cars and that means you got to have a place to park the car at home and a place to park the car at your destination, which creates a whole other set of problems that I think driverless cars are going to be able to resolve. But yeah, this is a fair point. When there's more housing going in an area, there's going to be traffic congestion and there needs to be a solution to that. Now, another part of the solution is more people are working from home. That's good, although now companies are starting to demand that their employees come in to the office. But these are all legitimate concerns that are going on. But overall, I think the city is on the right track. Overall, I think expanding University City, expanding Mira Mesa, even housing expansion in my hometown of Poway is the right thing to do. Because housing is so damn expensive. They need to have more they need to have more housing units. And when they do, there's going to be more competition and there's going to be lower prices or at least a, a, a dampening of prices or a, a smaller increase in prices. Hopefully, in many cases, a lowering of prices. Now, one of the objections to the people in University City are saying, well, yeah, you're going to build these high-rise apartments and they're going to be like 4000 bucks a month. You know, that's true. I, I bet you they will be that much because there's people that will move in that work in that area that have high-paying jobs that can easily afford that. And some people would say, well, that doesn't solve the housing crisis. Well, it does. Okay, on on one level, it helps those businesses and those employees that want to be able to have a place near where they work. 
So those and, – and these are people on the higher end of the income scale. For them, I mean, they had trouble finding housing anywhere near where they worked. Now at least there's going to be a lot of options in that Golden Triangle area or really close by. But the other part of this is the part that is unseen. And this is the part that I think people don't get is when you build brand spanking new housing, it's going to be expensive. I think we everyone agrees that it's going to be it's not going to be cheap. But what happens is is that as people are upwardly mobile, as people upgrade their life, they move and they get better housing. Perhaps you've done that in your life. You know, you when you're a, a teenager or let's say you're a young adult in your 20s, you don't live in a really million dollar house. You know, usually you're renting an apartment with two or three of your friends and you're just trying to figure out a way to get by. And as your income grows, you move up, you go, you get nicer places, bigger places, more modern places. So if we build more higher end homes like this, or just housing in general, not necessarily only on the high end, but housing in general, more people are going to move up into those nicer homes because they're going to be very attractive. And that will free up a lot of the housing on the lower end of the spectrum where first time renters, first time home buyers, people with lower income will have a lot more options on the low end. But people are sticking in that low end now even with higher income jobs, because the pricing is so crazy and the availability is so low for better quality housing units. So the whole market is just completely distorted because there hasn't been enough construction. There hasn't been enough development to keep up with the demand. So that's why I'm generally supportive of this. I'm also um, I'm supportive of the expansion in University City, of Mira Mesa, of Poway. We're going to talk about Escondido in just a moment. Um, this is ultimately good for our economy. It's good for the people of San Diego. Now, if you live there in University City in your idyllic, you know, three-bedroom, two-bath house with a nice front yard and that kind of single-family home neighborhood vibe – are you going to like the change? Probably not. Change is hard. People don't like to be disrupted. I get that. People in my hometown of Poway are really upset about a lot of the development because it's so disruptive. And there's changes in, in new people coming in. There's more traffic, all, all of this going on. It has a big impact. But you know what? New housing is good for the people that are moving in. Because they got a place to live. <laughs> you know, we're talking about San Diego wants to make housing a right. Well, which I think is crazy. But if they want to at least provide more housing units, more roofs over people's heads, which I think is the right idea, the right aspiration, the way you do that is make it easier to build housing. And when you make it easier to build housing, then more people have roofs over their head. And you have more supply in the market, more of a competitive nature, and prices begin to relax. And I think that's critical. Um, gosh, I mean, there's so much in this article, which is just crazy. The, the University City wants to double the number of housing units from 27,000 to 57,000. 
<laughs> that's a lot. I mean, that's a. I mean, it's going to completely change. And Ima- now, imagine if in thirty years down the road, Mira Mesa is re- rebuilt, University City is rebuilt. I mean, what's next? Claremont, you know that Bayho area, Marina Boulevard. I mean, Mission Valley is already going through radical changes. Then what? Sara Mesa? That would be a, a pretty ripe area to reform as well. I mean, San Diego, the city of San Diego, all of the neighborhoods in the city of San Diego, all are kind of like suburbs of downtown. Tierra Santa, San Carlos, City Heights, um, University City. Mira Mesa, Rancho Penasquitos. I mean, these are all part of the city of San Diego, but really they're like suburban cities. Well, you know what? San Diego is getting more urban. San Diego is growing up. San Diego is no longer just a, a sleepy little fishing village along the ocean. It's no longer just a military town. I mean, there's a lot of really high-end businesses are here. Biotech companies, computer science, telecom, you know, plus all the tourism, plus all the military. I mean, this is a vibrant community that is going through a growth phase and it's making a lot of people really angry, really upset. Um, So, yeah, they're talking about University City would double the number of jobs from 85,000 to more than 150,000 jobs. So, you know, where are they going to build all this? I think a lot of it is going to be, like they said, in that North Torrey Pines area, which is, I'm, I'm making an assumption here, but it's kind of like Salk Institute, Glider Port, that part of North Torrey Pines, maybe a little bit further north than where Genesee intersects, possibly. But it's that zone. Plus, there's a lot they're talking about building along Eastgate Mall. And frankly, at Eastgate Mall, there's a lot of empty space there, especially when you get on the other side of the 805. So I I get technically that wouldn't be University City, but there's a lot of actual space to build there as well. And they've already built a lot of high rises there for businesses. I think they're going to build more business buildings there. There's going to be a lot more housing that's going to be integrated with more of this mixed use, which then creates more walkable communities. But it's going to be a rocky road getting there because the world is changing. But, you know, every major city has gone through this. I mean, you can look at um, old historic photos of San Diego when Mission Valley was cow pasture. And then, oh, my God, they built San Diego Stadium there in the late 60s. And that was a radical thing. And now look at Mission Valley. And you can look at old-fashioned pictures from San Francisco. You know, I mean, San Francisco, even in the earthquake of 1906, was a very urban city. But roll the clock back further in the 1800s, it wasn't <laughs> at all. Um, Los Angeles has gone through a lot of this. I mean, it's we're getting bigger. Gosh, when, when I moved to San Diego in 1982... My hunch is, is that the population in the county is probably at least a third less, if not 50% less than it is now. I mean, there's been just a boom of people. It's just exploded. And these communities are trying to catch up, but they're going to have challenges in doing it. 
Um, now, the critics, of course, they're upset, too, because the libraries, we can't have enough. There's, the libraries can't handle these people, they say. And the parks and the fire stations, the fire stations, they're going to have to build more of those. They're going to have to expand the libraries. Now, granted, the whole concept of libraries, I think we can argue a little bit about as well. Because if you really want to check out books, there's a lot more efficient ways to do that. I think a lot of what the information in libraries, a lot of that comes from online sources as well. I mean, I've often thought if, if you're just talking about providing a place to be able to provide books to the public, you could build a model that was kind of like Netflix when they had the DVDs where they could be shipped to you and you ship them back. But, you know, people's vision of libraries is a lot more than that. It's more of a community center, a place for gatherings and events. And, okay, then that's more than just a book place. But in that case, yeah, they're going to have to build more of these. They're going to have to expand them. The world is changing. Um, what else did they talk about in this article? Eh, it's, I think I covered most of it. But it's just, to me, very, very intriguing that University City is going to follow a plan similar to that of Mira Mesa. And we're already seeing, you know, near Rancho Penasquitos, that whole Merge 56 area, there's been development there. You know, we've had the development in Carmel Valley that's been happening over the last 20-something years. Um, you know, Poway is going through a radical transformation along Poway Road and at the farm in Poway. Many other communities are dealing with this. We, we've talked about housing that's going in in Imperial Beach, housing that's going in La Mesa. It's incredible the things that are changing. And we're going to talk about Escondido next. But before we do, um, if you know, we we're talking a little bit about Poway. If, if you want to, if you want to check out some stuff about Poway, I've got a couple of Poway websites. One of them is called PowayIsAwesome.com. If you go to PowayIsAwesome.com, you can download for free um, desktop wallpaper for your computer, for your tablet, or for your phone with picturesque uh, photos of Lake Poway, Old Poway Park, and. Um, uh, not Mount Woodson, Iron Mountain and Iron Mountain too. So uh, go to powayisawesome.com and you can get those free downloads. Um, you just got to provide your name and email and um, and you get it for free. Um, also, if you want to get some Poway swag, check out my website, powaystore.com. So I've got a bunch of Poway t-shirts and different things there as well. So, uh, and a blog on things to do in Poway. That's all at powaystore.com. All right. Uh, last topic, we're going to talk about Escondido. And there was an article here in the Union Tribune, and this was from January 15th, so it's pretty recent. And it was titled, What's Being Built in Escondido? It's just, I mean, it's going on everywhere, friends. You know, and, and you know, the locals are angry. But see, isn't it funny, too? Because on one hand, the, we have a huge homelessness crisis. And homelessness is a very multi-dimensional problem. I mean, we can we could talk about housing prices and housing availability. We could talk about income. We could talk about uh, PTSD. You know, a lot of our uh, veterans are coming back from wars with PTSD and struggling. We could talk about addiction issues. I mean, we could talk about a lot of people have bad luck, lost their job. I mean, there's a whole bunch of reasons why people are homeless. But one of the reasons 
is that housing's too expensive. And the reason it's too expensive is there's not enough housing units. And so now when communities want to build more housing units, then people get angry. Oh, there was a really good line. I think I want to find this one. It was in the the university's uh, city plan. And yeah, here it is. In the university city plan, one of the objectors said, the city's grand plan for university city will benefit just three parties. Members of the development community eager for more small, unaffordable luxury high rise units that rent for 4,000 a month and up. Well, yeah, yeah, they're going to profit. Of course they are. Developers are going to make money. When housing is built, the second group that she said is going to benefit from housing expansion in University City is UC San Diego, which has continued to increase enrollment without building enough on-campus student housing to keep up. Well, yeah, they are they are going to benefit, too. But granted, they're aggressively trying to build on campus to hopefully catch up. And the third group, she said, is the mayor and the administration, which will take in more money from building permit fees and increased property taxes while amply rewarding developers for their support and past and future political campaigns. Yeah, that's true too. Because, and we saw a ton of that in the, in the Poway elections just recently, where developers donating money directly to candidates or indirectly through PACs to get to, you know, kind of stroke the politicians so they'll approve their housing development plans so they can build. But there is a fourth one that's not even mentioned that's going to benefit from all the housing. And it's the person that moves into the housing, the family that gets a roof over their head. They're the ones that are going to develop. They're going to benefit from the housing as well. We don't ever hear that. And so I think rather than trying to come up with a whole bunch of so-called affordable housing units that are subsidized by taxpayers or other kinds of affordable housing that are mandated on developers who will then, you know, allocate two or three units as affordable housing. Well, that what they end up doing is just maximizing the price they get for the other homes. So the right way to do this is to use the market and supply and demand, build more housing units that will dampen prices, in many cases, lower prices when renters and home buyers have more choices in a competitive marketplace. So what's Escondido doing? Let's take a look because they've got a whole bunch of plans as well. Now, one of them is Palomar Heights. And this is going to be a mixed-use project with 510 residential units, including rental apartments and for-sale row homes and vias. The development, most of which is acquired last year by Graystar Property Management, will include a bodega-style market, collaborative workspace, restaurant, and a fourth-floor sky bar lounge. Now, you know where this is being built is in Escondido at the site of the former Palomar Hospital. You know, that was that old hospital just east of, of you know, that Grand Avenue strip. And gosh, I, I spent a week in that hospital, like about 20 years ago. Um, so, you know, they built the brand new Palomar Hospital um, over on the other side of the freeway, over by Stone Brewing. Um, but that old hospital, they blew it out and they're putting in housing. So it's going to be 510 units there. And I think this is pretty exciting. Um, so... You know, this article largely quoted a a guy named Adam Feinstone, who's the Escondido city planner. So they got this whole Palomar Heights project. And, you know, it's right there by 
you know, that Grand Avenue, you know, have you ever gone on Grand Avenue in Escondido? It's great. I mean, there's a lot of really neat little restaurants, um, neat little stores and shops along the way. Um, my mom lives in Escondido, and so sometimes we'll take her out to lunch there. It's a neat place to go visit. And I know they have a lot of, like, cruising on Grand. I think they do, you know, car shows on some of the nights there. Um, and it's got a cool outdoor dining vibe. So now, you know, they're going to build more housing right next door to all that. That'll all be in walking distance. So I think that's that's exciting for the city of Escondido. They're also talking about transforming that Sears store in the Westview shopping plaza, the shopping mall, and transforming the Sears store into a Costco. I think it's a good idea, too. Um, People's shopping behavior has changed radically, right, as we are doing more online shopping. I mean, when I go, I I love Costco, by the way. And whenever I go into a Costco, it's jam-packed. There are unlimited customers seemingly for Costco. But, you know, still even a lot of people order online from Costco, and we do that as well, and they'll deliver to your house. But they just pick and pack off the shelves in the store. Um, I think that would be a great way to revitalize that mall. Now, granted, I've always often thought that a lot of those shopping malls could easily be converted into housing, especially senior housing. So they have their own sort of contained indoor village. Um, that would actually be really cool. But then imagine, and they already have a Target there, and then they have a Costco. You can get all the you know goods and services that you need there. Um, that could work out really well. But even without the housing idea to it, um, I think that's a positive um, idea that they're considering. I don't, I don't think it's been approved yet, but I think it's in, in conversation. Um, then there's another project they're talking about in Escondido, and it's called Harvest Hills. And it's a 550-unit residential project that would stand on a vacant 1,100-acre site north of the San Diego Zoo Safari Park and east of the Eagle Crest Golf Course. So they're talking about, you know, gosh, over 500 units downtown, over 500 units out there by the, you know, what was known as the Wild Animal Park, now the Safari. Um, and the for that project, that Harvest Hills project, the developer is proposing building a new fire station out there um, and new emergency evacuation roads because that's usually a very common objection to the locals that resist change. Now, what about the fires? You know, so they, they kind of the developer will kind of package that in and good on the developer for doing that. Um, so uh, this Harvest Hills project is currently in the entitlement phase, you know, so they're going through the approval process. But to me, that's exciting. Now, in Escondido, there's another one planned. The North County Transit District has, um, you know, they have a transit center there. If you've seen it, it's kind of uh, sort of just west of that whole Grand Avenue downtown area. And in that spot, they've got, um, uh, you know, where, where the, the buses show up there. And it's a kind of a, a legit transit hub. So now they're proposing on redeveloping that. And mixing housing and a lot of additional commercial um, opportunities there. There would be residential um, housing, restaurants, retail shops, and a transportation hub for ride, uh, transit riders, cyclists, and pedestrians. And they're out actively soliciting requests for proposal for this. So this is all consistent with this idea of building more housing around these transit hubs. To me, this is a very interesting idea. Now, we can debate the efficacy of public transportation in San Diego, which right now is weak. I think they have this utopian vision that it's going to be a much 
better idea down the road. I have questions about it. Um, we'll see what happens. I mean, they want to spend a ton of money, Sandag, to put in this, you know, this futuristic transportation infrastructure. I have my doubts because I, I told you I'm a, I'm a fan of electric vehicles, autonomous EVs that can transport people in as individualized pods or that can synchronize into a computer controlled swarm and can travel efficiently as a group. To me, that's the future. It's like what Wayne Gretzky said. You, you, you don't skate to where the puck is. You skate to where the puck is going. And I think light rail is old technology. Autonomous EVs is the future. But set aside that, the plan in San Diego throughout the county is to build more housing units, more high-density housing around these transit hubs. And what they're doing is they're saying, we will relax parking requirements. We may even relax some of the square footage uh, minimums to allow even higher density living in some of these places. To me, that is a good idea because we're giving people more housing units, more inventory, and thus a more competitive marketplace. And you're doing it in a mixed-use environment where there hopefully are jobs that are nearby. And then if the transportation initiative for public transportation is delivered according to their plan, then you've got a way to get around. But even if it's not, there are still ways to get around now, even if you don't have a car, because, you know, all these places won't have parking. So it doesn't it's not realistic to own a car. But see, as a city becomes more and more urban, like the city of San Francisco, less and less people have cars. Because there's a lot of alternative ways to get around. And, it, and it's not just buses. I mean, we already have Uber and Lyft that can give us, get us around. Imagine autonomous EVs that could get us around. Imagine people working from home with high-speed internet connections not having a commute. And having higher density uh, living makes sense. Because, you know, in San Diego County, the, we're running out of dirt to build on. And so... In order to maximize the available property, they're going to have to build higher density and taller buildings to make it work. And that's what they're talking about doing here at this mobility hub at the North County Transit District Transportation Center there in Escondido. And did I say it was west of the Grand Avenue? It might be kind of north, if I recall. I may have said that wrong. I think it's north of Grand Avenue. Um, so dense housing such as that proposed for the transit center could help Escondido meet its state imposed target of accommodating 9,400 additional housing units. This is, um, this was a point that was debated here in Poway about whether the uh, Sacramento officials were mandating that certain cities build a minimum number of units. And I know that's been debated back and forth. I don't know the exact answer to that, but it, this is brought up here and here it's brought up where Escondido has to build 9,400 units so they can satisfy a, a, a chunk of that in this sort of higher density housing near the North County Transit District hub. You know, they got the two other developments on, on, um, on planned, the one right next to well, the one where Palomar Hospital used to be and then the Heritage Hills that hasn't quite been approved. But together, those are only about 1,100 units. And if they got to build 9,400, I mean, they got a lot of work to do. 
Um, so that high density near the transit hub makes a lot of sense. The city is also, the city of Escondido, is also streamlining the process for building accessory dwelling units, ADUs or granny flats, on existing properties and is even creating pre-made building plans that homeowners can use for free. This is good too. Um, because especially in Escondido, a lot of people have property. A lot of people could easily build a 1,000 square foot or 800 square foot standalone building on part of their property and make it available for a renter. Um, absolutely. You know, that, that's definitely doable. And it gives existing property owners an opportunity to monetize their property, which I think is great. Um, now, but it's more people. I mean, there might be more street parking. Maybe some of these property owners have space to accommodate parking on their property. But in some cases, there'll be more people parking on the street. But again, it's just all part of this transformation that we're all going through. And a lot of locals really want to make it stop. They want to put their finger in the dike. But, you know, at some point, you can't hold back the change that's going on all around us. So Firestone, uh, Finestone, uh, you know, the Escondido city planner went on to say, we're looking at ways to increase housing on a small scale because every bit helps. So, wow, that's a lot, isn't it? I mean, it's just a lot of housing issues that are going on in San Diego County. And, you know, when you talk about local news, there's a number of categories of local news. Um, you know, there's obviously crime issues. There's, there's, um, uh, politics, a lot of political things going on, which I enjoy covering as well. But housing is a very hot button issue in communities all throughout the county. I mean, they're they're talking about putting affordable housing in Del Mar on the Ocean Bluffs. Imagine that. They're talking about, well, they, they have underway. They, they started a new affordable housing project in, in Oceanside. And Oceanside's got a bunch of plans for more housing out there as well. Um, there is a need for more housing. San Diego says housing should be a right. I disagree. A right is something that gives you as an individual freedom to take action in a social context, like your right to your own life, liberty, and pursuit of happiness, like a right to free speech. But a right doesn't mean you can infringe on the rights of someone else. When you make housing a right, what that really means is that other people need to provide it and pay for it because it's a right. Because you can demand it. But even the city of San Diego is sort of backing off. They're saying, oh, it's aspirational. I wish they wouldn't call it a right because it dilutes the meaning of what rights are. And rights are righteous, as they say. So we've got a housing crisis. We need more housing. More housing is going to make housing more affordable overall. More housing is going to partially help out the homelessness crisis. More housing is going to help businesses grow and businesses provide better products and services for the customers that they serve, including the customers in their local communities. More housing is going to provide a greater quality of life overall. But more housing will create disruption in people's lives. More housing will be a change in a lot of these communities. And 
every community is gripping with this in San Diego County. So what's the answer? Get on board. Try to, you know, try to fight this tooth and nail the whole way. I think if you try to fight this, you're going to lose. In my opinion, if you want a community that doesn't change or you want to live in that sort of single family home residential community like like South University City is today and you want to hold on to that that's going to be tough it's really going to be tough it may require moving to another part of the county another part of the state maybe even another part of the country to enjoy that lifestyle because the fact is is that San Diego is becoming more urban San Diego has a lot more economic growth that that we've experienced in the last few decades and a lot more coming, which means more people, more growth, more jobs, and there needs to be a place for all these people to live. And at the same time, it's going to be a way to make it more affordable for people to buy. I mean, how many of us are homeowners now and we have children And we wonder how in the heck could our kid ever come up with a down payment to buy a house in San Diego County where the median price is what, $800,000, $850,000? I mean, that's a a tall order. That's why more housing units need to be built. And we will get smaller units, more affordable units, a variety of options, more competition, and ultimately lower prices. I know you may agree with me. I know you may disagree with me. Let me know in the comments. Um, share these th- thoughts. Share this podcast with your friends and family. And let me know in social media what you think. Um, I'll be posting this later today on, it's on my YouTube and Facebook channel. I'll be posting it to all the audio-only platforms. And then later this week, I'll be breaking this podcast into small little bite-sized chunks and sharing that on YouTube. So until then, thank you for joining us. Thank you for sharing um, and, and listening to some of my thoughts about local issues in San Diego County. And I welcome your thoughts and comments as well. If you want to learn more, go to my website, johnreillyproject.com. Until then, friends, thanks and have a great day. We'll see you later. If you enjoyed today's show, do me a favor, subscribe and then share it with a friend or leave a rating and review on Apple Podcasts. Let's continue the conversation on social media. Go to connectwithjohnny.com to get links to our social media content, audio podcast platforms, and to sign up for our mailing list. To be a guest, read my blog or get more information please visit johnreillyproject.com to get started.